Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mister. I am Mister Pierre. I'm Mister Thomas, and we are both joined by a person who I get the privilege to work with every single day in serving kiddos here in Los Angeles. That is the wonderful Miss Arnu. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Blessed to be here. So very, very appreciative of having you here, uh, and I'm really Thank looking forward for to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. To begin with, um, how did you get into education, Miss Arnu? Uh, it was totally by accident. Um, I, when I graduated college, I knew that I was going to move to the United States a year later after my graduation. So I was thinking about like what I wanted to do for the one year that I was still um, back home in Taiwan. And I knew I did not want to work in the corporate field because I know that was just not my cup of tea. So I was like, you know what, let me try teaching English. Since you know, um, you know, I, I always I was passionate about the language, so I started teaching English in Taiwan, and I just really enjoyed being around children. I never thought once in my life before then that I would be a teacher. By the way, so after that one year experience, I came, I went, I moved to New York. Um, before I got my paper, I couldn't really you know work in the I started teaching Mandarin because I didn't you know coming from as an immigrant coming from a country that's not like a well-known country your degree is not valid (laughs) in any way so you kind of have to work your way up from the beginning from the ground up so I started founder of this program called Global Language Project she found established like after school language classes to kids in inner city or in neighborhoods that does not have those kind of program. So that's how I got started. I started teaching Mandarin as a second language to black and brown children in East Harlem. And I did that for about two years. And then I um, finally was able to find a full-time gig teaching in a younger, like a younger grade level preschool. I started in preschool. I was teaching children preschool, but I was working in a predominantly very upper class white uh, Wall Street area. That's where I was working at for about four years. And then I relocated to Los Angeles and, you know, the journey continued. So we got another East Coast transplant. See, it, it happens, Willie. It happens. I, it's, it's going to keep happening. I'm telling you, it's the, it's the best. Um, so being from Taiwan, how is the educational system different from there to the U.S.? Yes, that is a great question. I love answering those kind of questions. It's so different. And I, you know, now as a teacher and a mother, I constantly, like, you know, try to remember when I, how I was growing up and just, like, make comparisons. Sometimes it might be unhealthy because I was like, man, I wish there's a bridge that we can build to connect these two very, very different styles of education and generally, uh, you know, culture-wise. So like me growing up, our schools are, we have 45 kids in each class, which is a lot compared to what we're used to here. Uh, We have a longer school day. We probably stay at school from 7.30 all the way until, at least in middle school until 5 p.m., and in my last year of middle school and my last year of high school, we all we will stay until 8 p.m. at night to study for our entrance exam. 
um, but it's very, very structured in a way. That's the biggest part that's different. Um, like the schedule that me and Mr. Pierre have right now, we kind of have like irregular learning blocks, right? Sometimes you have like a period that's like 40, min- 40 minutes and then you have like an hour and 30 minutes in the afternoon. But back home, it's a very consistent 40 minutes class, 10 minutes recess, 40 minutes class, 10 minutes recess, all the way until the end of the school day. And I think we also prioritize different things, like we prioritize rest. So we have a 30 minutes of lunch block, like a full 30 minutes. And then we have a 30 minutes of nap time. And when I say nap time, I mean, everyone put their head down and rest and nap from kindergarten all the way to high school so that's very like extreme yeah completely different my mind is literally if anyone's listening if you're seeing the visual like my mind is like being blown of 30 minutes to eat and And then that's the part that got me yeah and then another 30 minutes after you've eaten so you're not rushing to eat you eat 30 minutes, you have that time to enjoy the meal with whomever, and then another 30 minutes to then rest afterwards. Rest. Okay, I wanted to make sure that I was understanding what you were saying. <laughs> I think we yes. eat that now. <laughs> yes. And it's a very systemic, in a very systemic way, like we'll turn down the light, everybody put their head down, and you would think that, hey, why will high schoolers nap? I, I will fall asleep. I will fall asleep with drooling all over my mouth. Like I would dead fall asleep. And, you know, sometimes when people don't want to rest, they would just like, you know, stay there and quietly, you know, that was before cell phone. I don't know if it's slightly different now, but thinking back, I think that was really needed. Like that time is when we recuperate our energy. So I guess that's probably why we have a longer school day because we have that rest time built in. And another thing that's very different, which is not the the bulk of what education is, but for me, these little things matter. Like lunch itself, we don't have school lunch, at least when I was growing up. Everybody bring their own lunch from home. And we put them in this metal bento box in each classroom. We have a steam, like a steam box. So every day when you get to school, you put your bento box in the steamer. You turn it on at 12 o'clock, you take the food, you take your bento box out of the steamer, fresh, hot food, and that's what everybody eats. Like, nobody eats cold school lunch. I mean, I get asked, like, every day, mister, can you go warm up a hot pocket? Right, you know? right. Oh, God. That's, that's luxury. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, you're there from 7 to, what, 7 to 5 every day? That's... I mean, you know, it's little incentives, I guess, to make them look forward to being there all day. Like your your thirty minute nap, which is like your mental break. Yes. You know, I, I wish I had a thirty minute nap. I mean, like I go to sleep in my car for my <laughs> lunch. Like I don't care about eating some days, but to have that built into your schedule, that I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I was just gonna piggyback off of what you were saying, Mister Mister Thomas, of like is that really a luxury or is that just the priority that they prioritize there in Taiwan and here in the States? Like, it seems like a luxury because that's not something that we, that we prioritize, we being the system. Because if you, if you, if you prioritize like, Hey, I care about the kiddos and I care about the adults 
who are teaching those kiddos, then I want to make sure that they're both optimal. It's not just one or the other. It's the, the and, the kiddos and the teachers are doing well. The teachers and the kiddos are doing well. So that, that, whew, that sounds lovely. That it, sounds yeah, lovely. It, didn't, it didn't matter to me back then. I guess I, of course, you know, I didn't know any other way, right? Mm-hmm. That's just how I grew up. And we just, we've been doing that for years. But now, now that I'm here, I, I see the way it operates in the United States. And as a mother, you know, my child has no time to eat lunch. <laughs> my child has no time to rest. And she's like, after lunch, they're running around. So th- definitely like a big part of the, the, the capitalist system definitely seep into our education model as well, being, or community well-being. Taking like some of the things that you grew up with in Taiwan and working here, like you said, your daughter doesn't have time for uh, X, Y, and Z at school. What would you, if in your perfect ideal school, how would you make it your own, like taking some from your home, embedding stuff from here, how would you make your, your own perfect school? Um, I think this, the way we structure our breaks and the way we prioritize lunch and rest, I would definitely take that. Like if I can have a dream school, that's one part I would take. Well, a lot of part of the, the education in Taiwan or like in majority part of the East Asia is also could potentially be very suppressive because we focus on like a lot of study, right? A lot of memorization. So it's really like a teacher teaching a classroom of 45 students. So, you know, being a teacher here, we, I think the American model, there's some, some valuable um, models in the American education that I could also be brought to Asia. Like, for example, we will center like student learning, focus on student learning, student-led, project-based, all of that stuff is m- much less accessible in Asia, particularly in East Asia. I can't speak for all parts of Asia. But at least in like Taiwan, China, Japan, and Korea, we kind of follow similar model. So I think if I have a dream school, I will combine those both and then completely toss out the European centric, Eurocentric educational model, right? And then introduce Afrocentric, Asiatic influence. And that's how I will imagine my dream school to be like. I, I'm I'm still marinating about the 30 minutes of rest uh and catching up to what Mr. Thomas said I'm like and and what I'm hearing you say uh Kaya is that there isn't any one system that's perfect so we're, we're not fooling ourselves in that respect but what is working for our kiddos here and what worked in terms of what you experienced back in Taiwan blend those two and I'm also hearing one of if it's working this year, that doesn't mean like we hold on to it for the next 10, 20 years. It's like, hey, if this is working and we see the results of our kiddos getting what they need, and then if in five years we need to tweak it, we're not rigid about let's just change this. Am I hearing that correctly? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. And one more thing I feel inclined to share, because that's also one thing I don't see here, yeah. is we don't have school custodians. 
uh, because we clean our own classrooms. Mm. So the last period of every day, it's clean time. So that's a 40, 40, 40 minutes period class where everyone has a role. So I will be like wiping the windows with Windex. We have actual mop. We'll be dumping water on the ground, scrubbing the floor, cleaning everything every day for 40 minutes. That's what we do. So that also, so I think, I, I think maybe now that I'm thinking about it in, in East Asia, we focus on like community building that collaborative um, culture. It's very, it focuses on like the collectivism, right? And in the West, it's a lot of individualism. So um, right in the West, when I ask the kids to clean up, usually I get a response like, oh, that's not my trash. Or <laughs> like, I didn't throw that piece of paper on the ground. But back home, we just know, we just like, we know that, okay, this is our role. We got to do this together and we got to take care of our classroom together. So that's also one piece I wish we can also adopt here. Yo, that right there, that right there. Sorry to cut you off, Mr. Thomas, but that right there to me is a huge component that we're missing here in the States. Um, Because yeah, and, and I'm just thinking about my own upbringing. It was like, if my room was dirty, it wasn't, or unclean or whatever, or unkept. And my parents said, it was like, hey, you're making the house not look great. It's like, your siblings also understood, like, look, I got to do my part because this affects all of us. <laughs> it wasn't just like, oh, Wooly's room is is his business. It doesn't affect the rest of the house. It's like, no, this is a home. Therefore, your room, the things you do, Wooly, have an effect on the rest of us. And you don't see that in this. The, you're absolutely right about here in the States of like, I didn't do that. I didn't drop that. But it's like, this is our class. (laughs) We all are sharing this space. Therefore, the things that I do, I need to be mindful of how it affects you, how I set this classroom up as a teacher. I'm thinking of you kiddos because it's not about me. Um, Yeah, that's that's huge. But not to lose your train of thought, Ms. Thomas, what were you going to say? No, I'm going off of that. I'm like, I think it's like a pride issue. Like you can take pride in that. That's your space, making your area look good. You know, like instead of, like you said, that's not mine. I don't care about it. It's taking pride in what's yours and making your community, your classroom, your school look so much better than what it could be than what it is. Like kids like at our school throw oranges all over the floor and like crush them into the ground. Like, Mike, well, pick that up. I literally just saw you throw it on the ground. Nah, but he, he has Cheerios over there and he's smashing. I'm like, all right, well, that was they get mad when you ask them to pick up the broom and mop. I mean, the broom and dustpan to clean up their mess. Like, why do I have to do it? It's your mess. This is your school. Take pride in it. Don't, you know, I, I don't like seeing kids like grab papers and rip them up and like leave them for either me or another staff member or the custodian to come by. That's, that's not pride. So yeah, I, I wish we can do that too. Like everybody have their own space, clean up their stuff after themselves, you know, that's that's it's a lovely thing.